Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the pre-Pittsburgh MetaShare study, give our thoughts on what we think is going to be successful in our brand new season in the Pokemon Championship Series. And then Justin and I are going to dive into a little bit of our season one recap is this is the last episode of season one because season two starts with the, the Pittsburgh review. And at the end of this episode, we'll give our predictions for the Pittsburgh Regional, and that's about it. I am Drew, and with me, as always, is Justin Pokebrews. How we doing, Justin? I'm good. I uh, had a three-day weekend this weekend with, uh, obviously, Labor Day. Um, I got lucky with uh, some of my stuff at work actually being delayed, so I was able to take a day off for Labor Day. Normally, I'm usually nice. working those holidays anyways, so um, it was kind of nice to have three days off in a row. Uh since we last talked, uh, we had a hurricane come through in Florida here. Uh, I literally got very, I got lucky. There was like nothing. I've had rainstorms here that were worse than uh, what we got. So um, did a whole bunch of prep and putting things back out for kind of, you know, I guess preparation just in case, but for lack of better terms, like nothing really. I mean, we had a storm on Friday that was 10 times worse than uh, what the hurricane actually was for us. Um but so that was good. But because of that, I had a challenge on Tuesday night that got canceled because the storm was coming through Tuesday around like midnight, Wednesday morning ish. Um, and then Thursday, I had another challenge I was supposed to go to. But because of the hurricane coming through, work got backed up, um, ended up getting stuck late at work on Thursday and unfortunately didn't get off work in time to uh, be able to drive over to Tampa and make that challenge. So did not get any Pokemon in. Well, I take that back. I did end up going just to my local shop because on Thursdays they do like a like a testing night. Um, brought a bunch of retro decks and played some retro with uh, some some locals who were also just wanting to play something other than standard, which was super fun. Um, played a bunch of 2010 format, so um, just exploring that a little bit more. But other than that, uh, redid the kids' room this weekend. Um, it's crazy to think that she's already getting into a toddler bed because I feel like when we started this, she was still a baby. Um, so it's just really weird to think that we're already at that point of that transition. So just wild. Um, we painted her room and moved a bunch of stuff around. So it was overall, it was a good weekend, even though there wasn't a whole lot of Pokemon. It was just a good kind of reset mentally and, um, you know, just start, start fresh this, uh, this week. Cause it's going to be, you know, a, a busy one again, unfortunately. Uh, other than that, how are you doing, Drew? Uh, I'm good. Very similarly to you, I worked on um, a children's room and uh, <laughs> wife and I got our keys to the storage unit on Friday, moved all of our stuff that we've collected in our seven years living here. Um, <laughs> and we donated like five or six bags worth of like clothes and shoes and other goodies and stuff like that that we don't necessarily need to hold on to. And it was cool. I'm really proud of uh, that we took care of all that stuff. And I did get a chance to squeeze in quite a bit of Pokemon this last week. Wednesday, went to Locals, played that Arc Giratina Superior deck uh, very well. I won. Um, I would definitely 10 out of 10 play it again with like maybe one or two cards switched. Uh, but it's a very fun archetype. And then Thursday, we had the GLC Locals via webcam. 
and I won with binder drop grass. <laughs> I I basically grabbed all of like the GLC staple like ball search and supporters and then added a bunch of other things from like a standard relevant box. And it turns out that the game makes a lot more sense to me when I'm using cards that I know what they do. And that's a, you know, big, big W for me. I beat fire, which I thought was not going to happen. So go me. Um, and then Saturday. So we loaded all the stuff in the storage unit, took our bikes there, took all of our bins and stuff. And then the wife went to work at six. And I was like, you know what? If I leave now, I could still make it to my other locals Saturday night. So um, after a long day of moving everything, I did just that. And I sleeved up that. Arceus, Umbreon, and Rillaboom Rapid Strike deck just just for pure entertainment's sake. Like I saw it do okay at like one and a half events in Japan in a best of one format. And I understand that the deck does well into like a half Gardevoir, but mostly just Charizard. And I found out very quickly that you might only beat Charizard with that deck. Um I squeaked out by the skin of my teeth against uh and Zorark. And it was only because Radiant Alakazam was in the deck and put in a ton of work. Um, but I can honestly say I will never sleeve up that 60 ever again. <laughs> it is not worth it to play. Very fun and entertaining. Um, trying to make the math work for me, but like you don't beat Lost Tina. And <laughs> that's a big um, that's that's something I definitely can't get behind. So yeah, it's a big deck yeah. right now. Yes, absolutely. Like I, I don't. I didn't even beat like, like a fringe version of it. Like my opponent was playing Fantina, and I was like, yeah. Oh, and I geez. absolutely can. I, I, I can't even gust a comfy and knock it out. <laughs> like when they had no. 120 damage reduction, so um, it was definitely very frustrating. And um, yeah, that was about it. So, uh, you know, I played a lot of Pokemon did kid room stuff, hung out with my family, enjoyed the three-day weekend, but now it's time to talk some Pokemon. The format yes. right now, via MetaShare study, coming into the Pittsburgh Regional, because like new cards aren't going to be released, so it's uh, this is the way that it looks coming into that event. Tier 0, uh, the deck that we just talked about, Lost Own Tina, seems to be very good. You know, we rambled about it last week. You know, cross switchers go in, cross switchers go out, water energy goes in, water energy comes out. It's it you could change six cards in the deck and it still does exactly what it's supposed to do. And it just seems like it's very anti VMAX uh in terms of a deck. So right now it's a little hard for anything RCS V partner to be successful um without it also running Giratina. Um any thoughts on Giratina having a huge showing at Pittsburgh? I think it'll have a huge showing, but I, I I will say I hate the fact that it says it's tier zero because um, although it's very, very strong, like I do think it's probably one of the best decks right now in the format. Um, it can be beat, but the biggest thing I guess it has going for it is path capabilities, hits the big numbers, like you said, and does kind of keep a lot of those decks at bay. But um, I'd say tier one, but tier zero, it's beatable. Like... I mentioned that last week, my cup, I played three and I beat two. And the only one reason why I lost to one was because I bricked. So it's not like they're not beatable. Um, it's just inherently is a good deck. So um, still up there, but maybe not tier zero necessarily. 
Um, I could get behind that for sure. And I totally understand that uh, our good friend Justin Basil makes these graphics based on the amount of players playing them and versus, I mean, not versus, but like in lineage with players playing them successfully. So the good players on the deck, the deck's bound to do successful, uh, bound to be successful. So it's not one of those, um, you know, easy decision making decks like Arctina where it is uh, have energy in your first turn and you're, you know, eschewing to be in the game for a while. Uh, <laughs> going into tier two, you're looking at Gardevoir, uh, Lost Box with Radiant Greninja, Maridon, my guy, and uh, Rapid Strike Box, another favorite of mine, and the Arceus Giratina. Um, none of these decks have really had to do a lot of evolving. Uh, maybe Maridon with the four path. Uh, that we saw Mahone playing at Worlds has become much more successful. And I think because that deck has gotten better, um, things of the Rapid Strike variety have also become slightly more successful. Uh, Gardevoir has now found a solid plan against uh, Charizard EX, you know, the dark swinging menace that just hits the numbers perfectly. Um, late game, of course. And I think that rapid strike now gets to capitalize a little bit on the uptick in Gardevoir that we're seeing for sure and Arctina for judge four path is 100% a plan and I'm still a big fan of it and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon uh, any thoughts on the uh you know two through six yeah I mean I I think the meta is really good for the Inteleon VMAX uh rapid strike box deck right now just because you are seeing a lot of things like the Gardevoir the lost box decks um, you know, even the, the Giratina V-Star is playing a bunch of comfies, just being able to uh, use the Inteleon's ability, then also uh, Yoga Looping to gain an extra turn um, can be strong, as well as since it is playing that Rapid Strike Urshifu, uh, it's take, capitalizing on those Arceus decks, as well as Maridon too, um, having that fighting weakness. So um, to see it jump up this high uh, at first was kind of surprising, but then the more I thought about it, I actually think it's, like I said, a, a very good meta for it. Um, as well as Gardevoir jumping up as much as it has. Um, I, last week we, we talked about it down in like that number, I think it was five or six spot, um, which I thought was appropriate for it. But to see it jump up to number two is a little surprising to me. Um, I, I still think the deck is really, really strong, but I think it does have a lot of decks gunning for it right now. And I think that's the reason why I'm surprised it's in number two because um, it's strong, but it's still got so much to counter it. Um, so... Uh, people, I guess, are just figuring out ways to finally play it and pilot it a little bit more. But um, like I said, I, I would assume that would have been a little bit lower. But uh, if it's seeing success, it's seeing success right now. And uh, as far as everything else in there, I think it's in appropriate spots. Um, the Giratina V-Star or the Arctina deck dropping down so far is is a little interesting because uh, it was in that number two spot last week. But, um, you know, Arceus flavored with the, the rise of the Rapid Strike box um kind of makes sense as well too so um a little surprised at the initial overlook of this but whenever you actually sit down and think about it uh that tier tier two is kind of um sounds about right maybe maybe moved around a little bit but all those decks in there doesn't surprise me at all yeah my only note to your concerns about gardevoir being so successful i suppose right now is it's one of the best decks that you could play multiple counts of iono in without having to have like um a Bidoof and Beaverell that, you know, don't turn into anything attacking, right? Um, you're so unpunished by 
um, getting behind in the game. If you do start to get ahead in prizes and so on and so forth, getting Iono, you could draw your way out of it between Shining Arcana and Refinement. So it's that's um, really the only thing it's got going for it in um, that capacity. And I think that that's why it's still seeing success because Iono is like single-handedly the best supporter in this format right now. It is. I just, the, the other thing that I didn't mention um, that I just remembered while you were talking too, is just the, the, the heavy path decks right now too, is what also makes it surprising that it's doing well because that Gardevoir relies so heavily on that Gardevoir EX itself. Um, and if it, if you just stick one path for a turn or two, you just, you, you win. Um, because, and like I said, Maridon, the Giratina V-Star, or the uh, Arc Tina, the uh, actual Lost Box Tina, all those decks that are playing copies of Path um, and heavy counts of them too, you would think it would hold it or push it down a little bit further. But I guess if you're timing things well, like you said, well-timed Ionos, you could be very far ahead and then just get sacked and <laughs> to a dead hand. So, I mean, it does make sense. Yeah, and we're all learning from Tord here that maybe a vacuum in Gardevoir is just an appropriate call, too. Um, and then talking about the last tier, Single Strike, Lugia, On the Rise, and in last but not least, um, Charizard EX. The Lugia has evolved quite a bit. Um, the Urshifu coming back in the deck for the Charizard is a huge factor right now. And I also think that people are playing the Tyranitar and the Cabalion, which is also really funny too, being able to do an additional 30 damage um, with a basic Pokemon to, into dark Pokemon is kind of big for a deck that already gets boosted by single strike energy and just does a whole bunch of damage as is with Titar. So um, Lugia looks like it's on the rise. Very stoked on it. They haven't dabbled in the impact energy in Breloom yet, and I suppose maybe that might be <laughs> something we see in uh, Pittsburgh, but I doubt it. I don't think that Charizard's going to be that successful this weekend. Um, but it's nothing to scoff at. There were four of them at my local shop on Saturday. I, I unfortunately only got to play one, and it's a scary deck. Once they get a bunch of Pokemon up into that 280 and 330 range, you're wondering, how do I swing for fighting, lightning, and dark weakness all at the same time? <laughs> or uh, fighting, lightning, and grass weakness. And there just isn't a lot of decks that can do it right now. And you can't really rely on Arceus to power up everything swinging into the correct weakness. Yeah, I mean, Charizard, I still think it does have its flaws. It can be powerful, but I mean, that's kind of why I've been a big fan of the Lost Box, or the Turbo Lost Box lately, yeah. because you can... You know, choice belt your Dragonite to knock out the um, the Arceus if it gets to the V Star. You can Raikou the uh, Pidgeot, Pidgeot, and then you can yeah. yeah and then I I play the Shaman EX in my Lost Box for a like late late game cleanup on a Zard, um, and it's just I I don't know. That's why I've liked it because it kind of covers a lot of stuff. Um, but that's just me personally. But anyways, not about me. Back to the tier list. Um, I. It's definitely seen a lot of plagues. I think people are making it want to work um, mm -hmm. and people are slowly kind of refining lists and stuff like that. Like, obviously, it's very strong. Um, that ability is just insanely good to accelerate to itself or to anything else. Um, you know, as your opponent takes prizes, hit bigger numbers. Very strong. Um, what's surprising, or I, I guess surprising, but the Lugia V-Star, um, Lugia on the rise is just... 
I'm still not a super big fan of relying on the capturing aromas personally. Like I get like if you if you hit what you need, the deck pops off and it's really good. But just your whole game and your whole day relying on a coin flip just doesn't sound super fun to me. Like I don't know. And and maybe we have a local who plays it very well and does pretty well like places pretty decently with it. Um don't think he's ever actually with Lugia recently walked away with a first place at any events, but um, he's on it and he plays it well, but it's just, I just, I don't understand the man. I need a basic right here. Here's capturing aroma. Oh, guess what? I get an evolution on this one. I guess I lose. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it is a coin flip deck in that regard. However, in most instances, you're trying to get that evolution pokemon you because you got to get those chops in the discard pile and you're almost banking on capturing aroma giving you a basic every time by flipping tails right and that's why you play double luminion because now you have supporters that help you go grab the things you need you know you need double chops in the discard pile boom luminion burnett you're chilling or if you need an evolution pokemon you know you flip tails you miss it you go grab luminion again boom research get yourself into an ultra ball you're chilling so as much as it is a coin flip deck, understanding that heads or tails, you give yourself an out to do both. So it's um, yeah, you know, not I mean, you're so not reliant. It's just it's just an extra card to push you into that combination, and that's why capturing aromas in the deck specifically. So you prize that brunette. <laughs> you prize the brunette. You go grab a research. You hope that you get ultra ball <laughs> and some resources. I've I've played it myself. I understand that if you you prize brunette, you're not exactly in a good spot but it's not not doable you know right um, no and there there are a lot of lines of plays it's just something that maybe i haven't put enough time with it and personally because i have that perception of the yeah. the coin flip aspect um because like i said the local guy uh paul i'll give him a shout out um i don't even know if he listens or not but he plays it very very well um and so you know maybe i should take some notes from him whenever he's playing it and see the lines of play he's got going on yeah, I mean, if if you're intuitive with the deck, you won't like burn your whole hand down and say, cool, all I need is V-Star off of this coin flip and I'm chilling. You know, that's that's the perception most people get is like, OK, cool. So now I'm going to get my evolution. Dang it, it's a basic and your turn. <laughs> it's like it doesn't always happen that way. There are so many outs capturing or not. Is it capturing? Yeah, capturing aroma is just a four card 50 50 chance of you speeding up your process versus having to put two luminion down on the bench at any time um but from this here i'd say it's pretty accurate moving into pittsburgh i think that rapid strike probably takes a, a few steps back while it is a good deck it's not a deck that can be piloted by anybody is the issue it unfortunately does have some drawbacks to being very combo reliant you know you miss the heavy ball you miss the alakazam you're missing all of your combos right so it's not one of those plug and play decks while you know regionals are made up of very very good top players sometimes that small um what is the word i'm looking for window for you know failure is not necessarily worth you know banking your whole run on um cyrus davis would tell you otherwise 
but <laughs> they were playing into a very Arceus heavy field. So even if you did end up with a one, one Urshifu at some point in the game, you can get yourself back into the game without the Alakazam combo plays. If it's a very Giratina and Gardevoir heavy field, missing that Alakazam is so, <laughs> so bad. Um, I would have to say, based on this graphic, Gardevoir is going to be the most played deck in Pittsburgh. You know, you could draw well. Drawing cards is good. It hits for pretty correct weaknesses right now. And it just hits all the numbers under the sun. So um, I am a big Guardi believer into this particular event. I think that it's a little slept on. Maridon, cute. Would love to see it in top eight. Don't know if this is Maridon's event by any means. Uh, but we might see an uptick in Arceus. And not necessarily like Arceus Duraludon or anything like that. But there have been some really sneaky Arceus combo plays that, again, very combo reliant. However, Arceus, very consistent card for Path for Judge is a strategy. Definitely look at that coming into the next event. Justin, any thoughts? Um, Man, not, not too much. Um, I'm going into Pittsburgh. I'm definitely a huge Lost Box fan. Um, I think it just has a lot of answers to the meta right now. Um, Kyogre or no Kyogre? For me, no Kyogre. Um, I, gotcha. I understand the aspect of the big late game like swings and stuff like that, but um, I just think, you know, no dig at a lot of players, but I just think there's not a lot of players that can pilot that deck super, super well. Um, you know, not, you know, not loss owning a resource early on that they're going to need for later on in the game and stuff like that. So um, I definitely think no Kyogre personally. Um, I could be wrong, though. Um, and then something we actually don't see on this list that I think might surprise people is uh, Mew VMAX again. Obviously, still a very strong deck in just one Worlds. Um, I, I think, you know, someone could just take a really consistent um, Fusion fusion Mew list and run hot with it and do super well. So, um, Do you think, think they play the 1-1 one, one as Selgor? Ah, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I as cute as it is, I'd I'd like to say yes, but I don't think anyone's gonna be playing the Aselgore. It's just I Charizard's gonna be there, but I don't think it's gonna be big enough numbers to commit an evolution grass line to a deck, if that makes sense. Like I think something like I had mentioned that I was playing like the Shaman EX and the Turbo Loss Box because it's you can slap it down and swing when you need to would be something to, you know, look out for, but um, one of the things Charizard has going for it, playing that Pidgeot line, which allows you to grab a boss any turn you need it. So you literally go, oh, I see you're putting down uh, Shelmet or whatever the basic form of a Selgor is. Yeah. Boss it up, knock it out before you can do anything. Like it, so, um, And I'm still going to have my big wall of a Charizard in the active um, that you can't one-shot unless you hit every single modifier. Yep, oh, for sure. Um, it is a scary terrain. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a really good player did decide to take Charizard um, to an event like Pittsburgh, um, whether it be for the memes, whether it be for the clout, or if they just believe they have the sauce, um, Charizard could definitely make an impact on a lot of way that decks are being built coming into um, Pittsburgh. But I don't think it's going to make a big enough showing to actually take home an event. I'd love to be wrong. I think it would prove that the Format can change with any new card added to it. So, you know, as much as I don't want to see Mew be successful, um, you know, Charizard could also make its uh, case to be a very competitive deck 
I think it has its issues, but once it gets set up, it's kind of good. And that kind of feels like early Lugia as well. Like once it gets set up, it's chilling. Yeah, and we could see, like we're still, this is the first regional of this format too. We could see, um, I don't know if there's any people like necessarily hooking up secret, you know, decks or anything like that or secret Charizard list because it is so new. It was not in any events before, uh, obviously, Pittsburgh because it was Worlds and it wasn't legal for Worlds. So maybe there's some a group out there that's been working on the list and refining it and it's going to make it um, super strong. You know, Gazer's going to show up with his lost uh, <laughs> lost Zard list and two mana fees and take the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, in that same note, that same uh, testing group is also sleeving up Glamora and that's going to be <laughs> the deck that everybody slept on that nobody had it. Nobody Dude, saw it coming. I would love it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's very anti-Reggie's. I'm all about it. Uh, <laughs> so we are going to take this moment to talk about the season spotlight, if you will. Um, season one, as I had mentioned previously, coming to a close. You know, here are some highlights from the season from the casters or not casters, but, uh, you know, the podcast perspective. And first, um, who was your 2022-2023 season MVP? Justin. So I actually had a little bit of a hard time with this one. Um, there was a lot of options. Obviously, like you have a couple of the big names who constantly like place at a, events and are at every single event. Um, but with really thinking about this and thinking about a couple of names that stood out to me um, as far as like, not only just we would see them or talk about them, but outside of the podcast, whenever I was looking at lists and results, um, what I would look at personally. Um, and I have two and I, I'm, I'm really torn. I couldn't really choose one, but, uh, um, but one would be um, Reagan Retzloff. Um, obviously he did insanely good all season, um, stuck with Lugia and just killed it. He's also a Florida boy. Um, so, you know, that's, Bonus points for me because he's not too far from my area. I've played against him personally a few times. Um, so Reagan was my first one. And then Cyrus uh, Davis, even though, you know, she just was killing it all season and not necessarily getting those first place finishes. Um, but going back to when I said looking at like deck lists and stuff, I, I'm thinking about it. I, I think I jive with just her deck building so well. Um, mm -hmm. there was multiple times, like there was decks I was playing. I would look at her list after a tournament and just be like, that's the missing piece that I needed. And just, I, I remember looking at her list so many times throughout the season that that's why she got that spot for me, uh, as one of my MVPs. Cause not only that, but obviously winning NAIC, uh, ninth place at worlds just that just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, so just a killer season all around, um, on top of that too. So that, those were my two uh, that I had a hard time choosing between. No, that's awesome. Reagan Ratzloff is definitely up in the conversation for me. Uh, my 2022-2023 season MVP is Alex Shemansky, getting the second place monkey off of their back, finally securing the dub with a very cool Arcadura Vulpix list, and then following up that event with a very high placing with an archetype nobody dared to dabble in with wings of unity and was so successful with it is outstanding so um alex was an easy pick for me for the season i'd love to see what they do going forward and um it was you know a pleasure to watch them all season long uh compete 
come up short. I remember specifically talking about their um, lost Tina list that they had at one of the previous, like the very early events in our season. And it was the most correct way to play um, Tina at the time. And coming up second was just um, a heartbreaker for sure, because there, there shouldn't have been another player in that, in that particular event that had the sauce like Alex did for sure. Uh, Speaking of decks though, what was your favorite archetype? during this season and i'm going to take this just from a spectator's perspective like obviously we play a lot of decks most of them are rcs flavored which was your favorite to watch and evolve oh that changed it up then because i was thinking you were talking about like us personally um so personal i had like pretty much anything rcs because i just i played a lot of different rcs variants throughout the season um but to watch uh probably watching reggie's um I just the combos and things like that and just different plays and spreads it had. And obviously I played Reggie's for a while, but if from a, a spectator point of view, uh, when the Reggie's deck came out, everyone thought it was going to be garbage. And then just seeing it start taking off and um, just its type coverage. And like I said, combos, it had a lot of answers to things. So probably Reggie's personally. Yeah, Reggie's I hate as a deck. <laughs> just in general. I love it though. It's it's so cute for sure. I'll give you that, but at the same time, I just absolutely despise it uh, from you know a player perspective. Uh, watching though, Lugia, Lugia was the most broken deck all season long, and then it rotated, and it was con- it continued to be broken with the addition of the single strike energies and so on and so forth. I um you know it's been fun to watch it win it's also been fun to watch it lose and i just think that you know you can't kill something that puts a special energy accelerator into the format and then set after set after set we keep getting more special energies added so it's just it's hard to take the power away from it when you keep giving it so much to work with yeah that pre-rotation lugia was absolutely insane (laughs) like you would i I, at first the first couple like regionals it was insane to watch and then it just got like everyone was playing it and that's it just was like okay can we not watch another lugia mirror yeah no i tend to agree it's definitely uh it was sad to watch towards the end because people were like all right Sick of Lost Box, Wash Energy, the, uh, the Mana Fee, leave me alone. <laughs> it was, a, you know, it's one of those things, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think the Lugia was the most fun to deck to watch. Um, you know, the mirrors of all season. <laughs> um, okay, so the next question, what event was your favorite? Regardless of the finish or if the finish was your favorite part of it. Um, so I only went to a few events personally, um, but I had a hard time choosing between what was favorite. Knoxville was the group of friends I went with, um, you know, winning, losing my winning into day two kind of sucked, but just the fact that I almost got there, um, the people I met, uh, so Knoxville was up there for me. NAIC wasn't necessarily the event event itself that I enjoyed. Um, it was the like side events, like the, the 2010 format I played in and, just seeing at a different level playing Fabian round one who literally just played at worlds. And um, so both of those were a tie for me, probably Knoxville a little bit higher though, because uh, not only did like I said, almost made day two first would have been my first time ever. Um, but then also just the, the really good barbecue that we got to get afterwards. That's like, that was half the event was just like, okay, my brain is melted. Let's get some really good barbecue. And I literally ate barbecue till I almost fell asleep 
on the couch and my friend literally had to go dude just go to sleep i'm like okay because that was so mentally drained that's hilarious Um, for me my favorite event to attend was obviously fresno got to meet a lot of um fans and friends of the pod um my team rolled out there with me you know the airbnb event where we were testing sitting there just chatting pokemon the whole time um in like an isolated area is kind of the the component here because you know when you're home you've got responsibilities you've got work the next day you know you can't really remove yourself from the natural environment which is your life so you get to go plug yourself into a completely different area where your responsibilities are just to make sure the airbnb is locked and everything else is fine (laughs) you know it's you know it was just a really really cool experience you know i've never rolled that deep to a regional before and unfortunately my whole team is rolling to sacramento when i'm in seattle and um i won't get to experience that again at least this season so it's really cool to see that happen um but favorite event entirely um i'd have to say that charlotte was the most fun to watch because it's the event the Eternatus beat Reggie's. And that was the <laughs> cherry on top for that previous rotation for Eternatus to win something. <laughs> because Shadow Rider never did. And that yeah. always makes me feel good. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. I was actually supposed to go to Charlotte, um, or was wanting to go to Charlotte. My my group went up there. I was not able to go. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty wild event, honestly. <laughs> Yep, Aiden Kuz having to force seal for a single dark energy just to get the deck running. I'll always remember that moment on stream for sure. Um, and then this is more of a podcast topic. Um, what was your favorite episode? And I'm going to go ahead and start it off and say that one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded was Girl Power TCG. It's fun to talk about the impact that females have on this wonderful hobby that we have in Pokemon TCG. Um, but not only that, just understanding like allyship is everything. And, you know, there's so many other episodes we can go back where we've had to release bad news, talk about bad things that have happened because of a specific player, because of a specific group of people, because of a specific area that the event was hosted and being able to separate, you know, that from what we hope to see in the game and what we try to encourage as you know people with something resembling a platform being the pcs podcast um it was nice to be able to talk about it you know and hear somebody else's perspective on what the next step is for um female competitors in the game what was yours that was a good episode honestly um there was a great one uh i had to again i didn't know i keep picking two things but um episode 34 which was the uh one where i did without you with justin basil Um, (laughs) yeah that was a good one the only i just i'm so used to like as i know i'm a you know we've been doing this podcast for a while but it's weird for me to be like the center of attention of the podcast because normally i'm like playing off of you and how you run the podcast and like for those listening drew is truly the one that like forefronts the podcast i'm just the backup guy um and the fact that i actually had to run that one um kind of put me out of my comfort zone a little bit which was cool for me like i just i felt like super like i I could tell listening back to it like i was very stiff in the intro and then it like got laxed as like justin and i started talking or justin basil and i started talking and uh um, that one was a lot of fun but then also uh episode 33 with the shuffle squad as well too um having josh frank and uh pj on 
Um, that was just a lot of good insight on that one as well, too, which uh, I just enjoyed. I felt like there was a lot of good conversation on there. Um, so that one was for conversation. But then episode 34, where we didn't have you, it was just myself and Justin Basil, um, because it did put me out of my comfort zone. And I felt like helped make me grow as a person um, with the podcast a little bit more and stuff like that. No, that's awesome. And with that transition, what was your favorite moment from the pod broadcast or something from behind the scenes this season? So my favorite moments are actually uh, outside of the podcast. Um, I, you and I just talking before and after. Um, I always actually, you know, as a personal friendship level, like I super enjoy that you and I get to catch up and talk about things outside of the podcast, outside of Pokemon. Um, I, I think that's like, super pivotal for us as a podcasting duo um to not just be like hey we're here for the podcast and that's all we talk about like that's that's the only time we talk for the week like we usually chat for like 30 minutes plus afterwards you know catching up on things um you know we text each other and stuff like that so i think that's really awesome and then just the i know i haven't been able to make all of the the patreon pcs locals but anytime i have made those you know, chatting with Aaron and Oscar and RC and just you and everyone, whoever else makes it that week, um, is super fun. Like I, I'm, I'm, you and I are very lucky. We have those guys that support us, but also like go out of their way to make sure to join these events. Like sure there's prizing, but I bet you at this point, if there was no prizing, those guys would show up every month and hang out and play Pokemon with us. I know, um, you guys do it more often than I get to, but play, you know, over the discord group chats and stuff like that. Um, and I've done it with Aaron and RC a few times, but, um, I mean, I'll randomly like open up discord and see you guys playing all the time. So, um, just having those guys as support system is, uh, for the pod is, is awesome. You know, even though they're, they're Patreon members, they're more friends than anything at this point. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, favorite moment, um, outside of the pod uh, I, the, that one game we played where I headached you for maybe <laughs> 20 turns when we were playing vintage. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, but me not being very familiar with the card pool in retro formats, didn't really understand that maybe me building a hand isn't quite as important than you <laughs> building a large hand. And it punished me in the end, but that was a lot of fun. Um, on the broadcast, I mentioned it before, but Aiden Koo's having to go for Seal Stone for a single Dark Energy is hilarious. Uh, we did get the Moisture Star clip this year, and that one was uh, oh pretty God. funny, <laughs> pretty meme-worthy for sure. And then watching uh, Tord Reklev fall after winning the fourth IC <laughs> to you know complete the gauntlet, that was another good part of the season. You know, no um, disrespect to Tord, you know, just seeing your excitement, seeing you, you know, kind of lose the fact that you still have legs is, you know, all a part of the passion for the game. And that's, it's wonderful, man. This doing this podcast was very experimental at first. Um, you know, for most people who know, I had to transition from a different platform and I wanted to start something. And Justin was my first pick to, you know, go take on this venture with, and I'm very lucky to have, you know, Justin take this adventure with me and I'm excited to see where it goes next. Um, obviously there are some challenges outside of the pod that are going to um, be here in December, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be fun and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for sure. Uh, but Justin, thank you so much for doing this with me this whole season and I can't wait to see what we do next. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for choosing me. Cause this is something that it just, it's so much fun. I look forward to it every week.
yeah, same here. And notes for next season is to just always keep the camera rolling because I feel like the discussions after the oh, potter we miss so the ones much we always need. <laughs> I know there's so much better than the ones we have during the pod, but it's because of the camera shyness for sure. Oh um, yeah, I want to. What was your least <laughs> favorite moment? That's. My least favorite moment was when I didn't have the right mic selected for the nine card TCG episode. <laughs> Every time that episode comes back in circulation because my dog is our number one fan and I leave the podcast on for him while, uh, you know, we leave him at home while we're at work. And every time that episode comes on, I am so, so frustrated with myself. What was your least favorite moment? Mine was, and I don't even think the people know, but we recorded the episode. My headphones died halfway through. And so we paused (laughs) so we could like let them charge. And then when they charged and we started recording. So not only was it like extra long episode or like extra long time because we had to pause for like 30 minutes in between. When they reconnected, they didn't fully connect. And so they weren't recording like and so we've recorded for like another half an hour and then it was like you texted me like 20 minutes after we were done like dude it's messed up we got it like and we were gonna (laughs) skip the week and we're like screw it and we ended up recording again the next day but that was my least favorite moment because it was just like it was already such a hassle and then it didn't record and then all that trouble just to have to redo it again but i mean i think the second recording was probably a lot smoother though anyways (laughs) Yes, yes, it most certainly was because we had a script and we could follow it. Uh, but yeah, season season was good. There weren't a lot of lows, but there were a lot of highs, and I'm very much so thankful to be doing this. Um, but we're not the podcast is nothing without our Patreon and Discord. So we'll talk about some Patreon and Discord updates. PCS webcam standard locals are Thursday, the twenty first at six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Congratulations to Aaron for winning the season one dice challenge. Um, you've won an event you've been a patreon for the x amount of time required to collect all of the dice and details for next season will be posted for the patreon this week um and that's regarding the season two dice challenge or however we want to go about it um justin and i have yet to kind of talk about what we want to do progressing forward uh but very much so excited to see what we do there um all packages for the six month care package will be sent out this week Now that my baby room madness has concluded, thank you all for your patience on this. Um, It's been a wild ride, and I I assure you things will be going out this week. So for those who are getting packages larger than a pack of cards and a dice, you will get tracking, and that'll most likely come in the form of a DM. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Without further ado, Pittsburgh Regional Predictions. What wins, my friend? What's going to win? What takes up the majority of top eight secures the dub? Oh, I, majority of top eight, I think, is going to be Lost Zone Tina, just because okay. the deck's going to be really good. Um, I want to say a Turbo Lost Box is going to be somewhere up there. A Mu V Max is unfortunately going to be somewhere up there. Um, and a Gardevoir is going to be somewhere up there for sure. Uh, let's go. I don't know. I don't think Charizards are fine enough to get up there. I'm going to say a Lost Zone Tina, even though I want a uh, Turbo Lost Box to take it all. I think a a loss, a, a really consistent Lost Tina list is going to be the winner. I can see that happening. Um, I'm going to spin it in the opposite direction. I think consistency is key. I think Iono is key. And I'm going to put all my eggs in the first basket of this season in Arctina. 
to secure the dub. You know, maybe we'll see some grass flavor in there in the form of Superior or the Shaman or something along those lines. Um, but I think that that might be the route that um, that most players roll with this um, at this first event. It's seen a decline in popularity, so maybe it's time for it to shine. Yeah, I mean, we we see that happen all the time. A deck, you know, falls off the radar and all of a sudden it does well at an event. So um, not a horrible call. Yep, I tend to agree. And with that being said, Justin, go ahead and plug the show. Yeah, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is PokerBrewsTCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is PokerBrews. Uh, Instagram is still the easiest way to reach me. But on both so- socials, you can find things like my Linktree account, where you can find things like my TCG player affiliate link. I've used that link. Any shopping you do directly supports a show and any upcoming regionals expenses, all while costing you nothing extra. Um, I also do have a store restock for my TCG player store itself coming soon. Um, thank you guys if you've been supporting that show. And uh, if if you found the show from that uh, from the little card I put in there, the little mixtape in the, uh, the, the meal, uh, yeah. thank you guys and welcome. Uh, and if you guys want to find things, or you can also find things on that Linktree account. They're like our PCS podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. And that link is bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod and on to you, Drew. All right. And if you want to find me on social media, I am Katana TCG on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to be a part of our Patreon and participate in our monthly raffle, as well as our uh, PCS local webcam tournaments, should enjoy the patreon at patreon.com slash bcs podcast and that's gonna do it go ahead and sign us off justin we'll see you guys after pittsburgh and we'll see you for season two